at a kind of a schmoozy lunch kind of thing with this TV network and all the major labels schmooze and I thought, you know what, I have to be here to represent the artists that don't have a record label. I have to schmooze on their behalf because <laughs> otherwise they're just not going to be in the room um, and you have to do that forward-facing stuff um, for your roster. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the One Year Later podcast. My pleasure, thanks for having me. We are here at Big Sound. It is the first day of Big Sound. Very exciting. How are you feeling? Feeling great. I love love coming up here every year. I feel like this week gives me enough motivation to top me up for the rest of the year. And it's just so nice to be around everyone. So true. It's like this fire hose of knowledge coming at you and then it powers you through the rest of the year. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So one year later, that is that is this podcast, and it has been over a year since you launched Downtown Music Publishing in Australia. Okay. Huge, huge feat. So for anyone who isn't sure of the work of Downtown Music Group, I've got some notes written down here. Um, Downtown Music Group involves Downtown Music Publishing, AVL Digital Group, which is a, it's got music distribution service CD Baby in it as well. It's got Song Trust, which is digital rights. It's got Downtown Music Studios. It does neighbouring rights, it's headquartered in New York. Downtown music publishing artists include Benny Blanco, Anthrax, Hans Zimmer, Little Mix, Ryan Ted at Yoko, oh no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely massive. <laughs> it's a lot. So let, let's go straight into it with, tell me about your role with Downtown and how the local launch came about. Okay, so um, my role is the creative director and head of Zinc. And I, I guess going back about two years now, it was when I sat down with Justin Cliffowitz. He came out to Australia and little did I know he'd been out here four times looking for someone to start the uh, company. And um, I just said straight up, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I want to come and work for downtown. I think uh, the core values and the reason he set up the company really resonated with me. Um, the fact that it's client focused. And when we say clients, we mean our writers. Um, for me, that was really important, having worked at Alberts for a long time and had really personal and strong relationships with a lot of the roster. Um, and so, yeah, it started from there and I just thought it was such a unique opportunity to, to work with a, a really well-respected publisher and start something new and organic. And so, yeah, it took about four months uh, to come about, but I was really excited. So you were almost headhunted in a way. So he had come to Australia, took a bunch of meetings, mm-hmm. and then finally found you. Mm-hmm. And did he tell you that in your first meeting? No. Okay. Oh, no. He kept that in his back pocket. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and it was great. It was just, I always say when I talk with Justin, every time that man speaks, I have a thousand epiphanies. Like, he's just such a great visionary, and I, you know, I really believe in what he's put together. He's got an amazing team. It's a great company to be a part of. So for anyone that doesn't know what a creative director and head of sync is, what would you say, how would you sum up your role? I know that that is super difficult because I know you wear many hats just in the job that you're doing, but for those who are unsure. I guess uh, first and foremost, like it's been my role to, I guess, shape the creative direction of our roster and also find opportunities for the artists that we not only work with internationally, but locally here on the ground. So the creative direction, I, I just try and always think of that in everything I'm doing and the way the company's structured. I'm just doing creative on the ground here. All the admin goes back to the mothership in New York. It's very efficient. So yeah, I, I guess it's I've had more capacity to be creative in this role than any other time in my career. Yeah. And 
we had this conversation. We did have, let's do a, a little precursor. We, did, we had a pre-conversation and I was t- telling you about how when any new players enter the market, there is this nervous anticipation around in the industry of, you know, what are they going to do? What are they bringing to the table? If they're, you know, if they're a big player, especially Live Nation had it, uh, BMG had it. What were your first few months as a newbie like in the industry? Yeah, I'm really positive actually. So many people reached out, they were excited to see another player investing in um, this market. I think it's a real vote of confidence for our community here when another international player invests in setting up an office. And it's not a major, a minor undertaking, you know, it's a lot of thought and preparation goes into that. And overall, like I think downtown's got a great reputation. We've always collaborated within the industry. We didn't come into it trying to disrupt anything, actually. We wanted to work with everybody and and collaborate and make a meaningful contribution. So that was my uh, focus, and it's been received really well. That's amazing. So that's what I was thinking about. It goes into my next question, your approach to launching a publishing arm here, because you had that experience of kind of watching BMG and being involved as well through Mm -hmm. your work at Albert. So how would you describe your approach to launching such a big juggernaut in a territory like Australia? Yeah, I think it was um, going into it with that mindset that we're here to make a meaningful contribution to the industry and work with everyone, be a partner, and also choosing carefully who we work with. Um, And I guess uh, starting it organically and signing and building to what already exists as a great roster, making sure what we did here complemented that. But I think, yeah, just reaching out, building on relationships, and I've obviously worked at majors, independents, and I've seen the pros and cons of both. So I feel like, you know, we're in the middle of that. Um, we're large enough to make a bit of a, an impact, but without being really disruptive. So I think, it, yeah, it felt good. Like, I haven't had too many negative interactions. Generally, everyone's been really supportive. That's really good, and it's a testament to the local industry here as well, because you just also never know who you're going to work with down the track or who you might be able to collaborate with. And I think that Australia generally has a really good mentality when it comes to players entering the market and also about collaboration, Mm -hmm. especially in the media industry. I love that a lot of media companies collaborate as well. There's that, I like to call it a sisterhood. I don't know if our competitors as a media company feels that, but yeah, I think there's a lot of cross-pollination happening across the board, which I really like too. Mm. And I was thinking, when you think back in time to launching downtown to now, when it has doubled in size, do you feel different? It's doubled in size as a global company, that's right. Mm. Um, does, does it feel different? No, not for me. I mean, my focus here is downtown publishing, so I think in terms of size, yes, it feels a little bit different. I know we're bigger and we've got a lot more offices now, but I think what I'm really grateful for is we've still got that really small feel and very low turnover of staff as well, so a lot of the same people are still here and it's, um, yeah, it feels like we're still part of something small and, and quite special. Well, let's talk about the artists now. So this yes. is this is why we're really here. Yes. This is, I know this gets you excited. For everyone that's listening, Rachel just did a little shimmy shake on our shoulders. That's very exciting. <laughs> very, very awesome. So the Teskey Brothers, they recently debuted at number three on yes. the ARIA chart. Stella Donnelly debuted at number one on the Australian Independent Artist chart. John Butler Trio's latest LP, Home, vaulted to number one on the ARIA albums chart. So these are massive wins for your local roster. In fact... You've only, how many artists do you have on the roster? And that's just... 
I've got five now with the addition of Taka Perry and Elliot, uh, which is Charlotte Gemmell. Yeah, it's a pretty solid little roster and I'm, I'm really proud of um, how far they've gone and how far they're going to go. Let's go through the local roster. So Stella Donnelly, she was the first signing and you told me that she had to be the first one. Mm -hmm. Why? I call it the Stella Donnelly effect. <laughs> when you see an artist and you just get that rush, like it's, it hits you like a freight train and it's like not negotiable, have to work with this person, not just now but where she'll be in five years. I feel it was really important. For me, I've personally learned a lot from Stella. You know, she's taught me a lot about white privilege, something I really wasn't educated on because perhaps I'm white. And I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, she's, yeah, she's such a powerhouse. And, yeah, I can't believe I pinch myself every day that she chose us <laughs> to work with. But I think, yeah, for me it was not negotiable. Like, I had to work with her and, and look at her go. Like, it's been a phenomenal couple of years for her, um, starting at Big Sound two years ago. And now she's playing at Glastonbury and Fuji Rock and uh, Boys Will Be Boys just got three million streams, which is wow. insane. Yeah. And what was that signing process like for you? Oh, that was um, that was interesting because it was like uh, the day we launched, fourteenth uh, of Feb, last year. I was just about. Is that to Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. It was oh, very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> just launched a company on that day. <laughs> yeah, and we simultaneously opened an office in Paris at the same time, and I was just about to click. Is that the city of love? Yes. Paris. Oh, there you go. There was lots of love that day. <laughs> Um, and honestly, my heart was pounding with excitement, you know, just clicking send on that press release to say, boom, this is happening. And the phone rang off the hook. And then that's when Philip Stevens called me, said, I'd like to talk to you about Stella. And I was like, punching the air because she was top of my wish list. So, yeah, I'd started a couple of conversations. Stella and I met for breakfast and it just kind of steamrolled from there. But it was, uh, yeah, it was amazing. And I remember I was sitting in Runhead Studios, Neil Finn Studios in um, Auckland, when we got the news that she was going to choose to go to downtown. And I think this was one of those multiple deal offer situations. And I really had to hustle and get a lot of things. It was, yeah, a lot of work, but totally worth it. Um, and Do you know why she chose you? Has she ever said why you won? No, not really, and it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> just need to make sure she's happy and continues to be happy. And um, yeah, I just I see so much potential for her as a, a writer. I can't wait till we collaborate on different genres. I think she's going to be an amazing top liner. She doesn't know it yet, so there's so much we have to explore yet. Amazing. So you're teaching her a few things too. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's nice. So John Butler Trio. So he helped you celebrate the one year anniversary of Downtown Music Publishing in Australia. So did Stella in a really, really big way. Yeah, that yeah. was incredibly special. Both of them uh, performed at the Opera House for Court on Valentine's Day this year. And honestly, I was just blown away by both of them. Like they brought their A-game, but we had fireworks going in the background as John's doing his Welcome to Country. And there was just so much energy and passion and Stella, of course, you know, smashed it. But it was just an incredible way to, to mark one year. I couldn't have asked for anything more. And if you think of like companies launching in a territory 
you think of you like to think of them as almost like a startup in that country and like, now we're at the opera house like, we're, we're good yeah. i think we'll be here a while yeah <laughs> yeah we're here to stay and it was my favorite moment was like john was talking about when he first was busking and he hoped one day to play at luna park which was across sydney harbour and he goes and now we're here like and he was totally spinning out um and i was spinning out too it was yeah it was pretty amazing and the Teskey brothers beautiful beautiful band i do really love them did they give you the stella donnelly effect yes yes i saw them at the sounds australia um showcase in london the same day we signed stella so daniel lloyd jones in the uk office was um the clever man who brought the Teskies into downtown and i should note also mushroom and ivy league obviously work with them here on the ground and you know we are really very supportive of working with them connecting the dots outside australia but yes, I got that rush of goosebumps, and how I could just, you not? That oh, voice. Oh my gosh. Oh my lord. And the day we signed them, we gave um, the boys a bottle of whiskey, and it was like a smoky whiskey. And I said to Josh, "Look, this whiskey is smoky, like your voice." Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. I bet he loved that. <laughs> they, they all laughed. Um, but uh, what impressed me right back then, and continues to impress me about the boys, is their work ethic. Like they're just the most incredibly hardworking band, and the loveliest guys. Very lovely humans. Amazing. And Elliot happened really recently as yes. well. Yes, I saw her last year at Big Sound. Um, that was your first entry point? Yeah, uh, I saw her first Sydney show at Golden Age Cinema. Um, shout out to my friend Emily Cruz, a universal oh, at the time. Yeah. She um, uh, invited me along to the show and I could barely get in the room. It was that crowded. But it was only when I saw her at LaRouche last year. It just struck me and I heard the song Circles, which hopefully is going to be her single later in the year. It is phenomenal and I was listening to it again last night and it's the kind of song that makes you stop in your tracks. And yeah, I got that rush of like, oh my gosh, she is incredible. Yeah. When you have an artist like that and you get that Stella Donnelly effect, do you think, oh, I know what I can do with them um, this year, next year, the other year, or are you thinking, I know what I can do with them in 20 years? Like, where, how, how long do you plan in your head when you do a signing? Yeah. It depends on the artist, like with Taka, I'm thinking seven years from now, and, you know, we've got a, a game plan, a three-year plan, which he smashed out of the water in these first three months. Oh, no way. Wait, <laughs> yeah. your three-year game plan is done? Almost. Oh, he's, my gosh, amazing. He's insane. <laughs> 20 years old, and he's just, honestly, the opportunities coming in the door for him are crazy, and amazing and warranted like he's he's got the talent to match the ambition so for him I can see you know quick progression and I think we'll set goals for him and he's going to smash them pretty quickly I think he's just got that crazy work ethic and talent. What does he like most um songwriting or being an artist? I think songwriting comes first for him um but being able to explore his own project now is you know gives him that full creative freedom he's really loving it and I think yeah the response so far has been really positive um on Unearthed and we did this collaboration in Tokyo just last month he did his first writing trip over there did a feature with the Japanese rapper JP the Wavy a track called Kuruna which means don't come around here and honestly it's all in Japanese and then there's a lyric um don't kill my vibe and I got chopsticks for ice <laughs> Okay. I love this song. I can't understand what's going on, but I love it. <laughs> and, and that's the power of music, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's like K-pop, yeah, or any other, um, or like say an artist like Gurumul. Like mm -hmm. you just absolutely connect with something. It just washes over you. It makes you dance, or it makes you cry, or it makes you laugh, and it doesn't have to be in the language that you speak. 
No, absolutely. It's the immediate um, impact of music and the crazy thing with that track, it got added to eight Spotify curated playlists. Um, it's nearly clocked 20,000 streams in a couple of weeks. And yeah, it's a great result. Richard Kingsmill just played it on his show the other week. Huge. Four and a half stars out of wow. five. Not bad. From Kingsville himself. From Kingsville Amazing. himself. Why not five, though? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, send an email. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, isn't it like, it's just kind of, that's his entry point to Tucker Perry, right? You can, yeah. Maybe he's like, I've got to give him room to grow. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. Leave a little room there. Yeah. yeah. I understand. <laughs> One Year Later is presented by APRA AMCOS, a key business partner both locally and globally to over 100,000 Australian and New Zealand songwriters and publishers. With reps and creative spaces in LA, Nashville and London, APRA AMCOS travels with its members. Whether you've relocated or it's just a flying visit, APRA AMCOS can provide space to members and their teams on a short-term basis in a fantastic location. Go to apraamcos.com.au for more info. So you travel a lot with your role and I imagine that you would be getting a lot of inspiration from overseas, you're doing a lot of networking, you're visiting a lot of the other offices. I'm wondering, what is Australia doing well when it comes to publishing? I think the ability to identify and nurture talent and then build the relationships, build the story here, I think that's incredibly important. And, I mean, we travel well and we travel hard. <laughs> so touring, um, you know, at this point in time, most of our rosters touring overseas, which has been the case for the past uh, year and a half, I guess. So, yeah, we, we travel um, and, yeah, I think we build really good connections with international whether it's industry or other bands. So I think Australians are really approachable. Everyone's really interested in what we're doing in this market. Um, especially my colleagues, like they're all really supportive. That's good news, that's mm. really good. Mm. And then you also bear witness to a lot of systems and processes in the realms of publishing overseas. I'm wondering, is there anything that Australia needs to work on? Anything we can do better in terms of publishing? I don't know, I think maybe acknowledging like the one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work for mm. doing deals and you know certainly my observations in the last couple of years and having been in the industry for a long time like the market's changed a lot and deals have got to change with that to, to reflect what's best for the artist and I think it's also there's a responsibility to do deals that are likely to recoup in our lifetime just because you know it just builds confidence on both sides and having you know done a signed a 30-year mortgage with a six-figure amount of money that doesn't seem to move. I know it can be a little bit of a demotivator and especially for creative types. So I think, yeah, the old days of those inflexible deals with lots of money, I think, are changing, which I think is good. Like, most people are on that now and certainly there's a lot of flexibility in the way we do, do deals based, we customise it around the artist um, on the rider. And I think that's a, a large reason for a lot of people leaving music is because they need to provide for their family, they have bills, they want to start a family and it's so sad mm. that you have to leave what really is a career because money is not on your side mm. for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, that makes me really sad actually mm. and I think I read somewhere recently that the average Australian musician earns $11,000 a year, oh Australian. Um, that is not enough money to live on, that's why they all have part-time jobs and side hustles and I think, you know, we, 
you know, if we talk about what can we do better, I think at that that ground level, we need to support our industry and um, realise that songwriting is actually a viable career and there's got to be a better model for supporting creative publishers, you know, not just with publishers, but as an industry, I feel like we could do a little bit more. Absolutely. Mm. And so let's talk about your A&R role a little bit as well. Yeah. So DMP's local A&R team is currently you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you haven't lost a deal yet. No, is that right? Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, amazing. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, then we need to know, what's your process like in finding new acts and, and what do you look for? I think the process is a lot of things either come to me through recommendations or just being at shows or through relationships and I think that's generally the case for most people. It'll take recommendations whether it's through an A&R or a label we're working with. Big Sound's obviously a great place to see talent and then we'll start the conversation with management or you know I definitely want to have a one-on-one with the the songwriter or the artist myself personally just to, to make sure they'd be the right cultural fit and then yeah we start talking about what what's important to them and what we could potentially do if we're compatible sometimes it's not compatible if they want you know certain things um we're very upfront with that sort of thing that's great and transparency is just an artist could not thank you more for that kind of stuff absolutely yeah yeah i actually did this round table thing with some artist managers in auckland last year and i just said look we're just another option you know there's lots of different scenarios with publishing you could uh go with a major you could go with an independent we're somewhere in the middle we might not be everyone's cup of tea but i'm just here to tell you there's another option in the market and that was as honest as i could get i reckon that's a great way of doing it and it's interesting that you say um you need to understand whether they're a good cultural fit as well because Mm. it seems like the roster that you have on is very good folk and and good good people with strong values, strong core ethos. Mm-hmm. I'm especially thinking of Celadonnelly and Joe Butler Trio as well. So you almost need them to be not idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of a better word. Yeah. Don't be a dick. <laughs> I have a personal no dickheads policy. Amazing. <laughs> That's important. You know, we work so closely with not only our team, but, you know, our writers. And I think if you look at someone like Ryan Tedder, he's such an incredible advocate for songwriters. And he's actually coming to Australia in uh, October, in a few right. weeks' time. Yeah. So I'm excited to meet him. And um, you know, I think anyone who's on our roster should be able to sit in the room with Ryan Tedder and have a conversation. So that's, yeah, something top of mind as well. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of amazing talent in this country and, you know, I'm excited about us being able to scale up. And, yeah, I'm definitely going to be growing the team next year. Let's talk about that because it took you a whole year to double your team, which was one person, it was you, mm-hmm. and then you add, only added one staff member a year in, in Steph Patch. Yes, Okay, let's talk about this expansion. What's happening there? Yeah, it was really exciting actually. I got to that tipping point where I realised I couldn't spin all the plates. <laughs> um, I can't believe that took you a year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if nothing else, I'm efficient. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was good. Like, I think, you know, that was a unique opportunity to curate the roster based on um, it's on the front line for SYNC globally as well. And, you know, I think it got to that point where I was like, right, we need extra people on the ground. 
where can we add the most impact at SwitSync? And Steph's come in, you know, with eight years of experience, having worked in the field. She worked at a record label. She's worked in music supervisor. She's also worked in the UK, Sweden. So she's a great fit for downtown. And um, yeah, we've already kicked a few goals. We landed Tucker Perry a sync with Channel 7 just recently. Congrats. Thank yeah. you. That was a really cool spot for introspect, his debut single. It was promo for Secret Bridesmaids business. Oh, um, cool. Which, and it looks incredible. So really happy with that. And yeah, it's just really nice to have someone on the ground, especially here at Big Sound. Um, and yeah, we work really closely and there's a lot of crossover with a and and Sync just naturally. So I'm not going to sign something that's going to be impossible to work with on the ground. So yeah, we're just being mindful about how we scale up and try and keep the promises that we made to Stella and to John Butler and to Teskies. That's really important to me. What parts of the business do you need to scale up in next year? For me, it's in the creative, like it's A&R at Sync, because admin's covered, you know, that's the beauty. That just gets handled centrally through uh, through Songchust and downtown in New York. So Amazing. it means every one of our seven other offices can just focus on A&R at Sync and creative services, which we call. We're actually rebranding A&R to creative services, because that's effectively what we're doing in I really, yeah, enjoy that part a lot more. Cool. Mm. Well, I'm excited to see who you bring on board. Yeah, me too. You expand. Um, oh, are you talking to someone oh, right now? Maybe, yeah. Okay. Yes, yep. A couple of conversations. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Billboard Power Players list. So you were recognised for the first time in Billboard's International Power Players 2019 list. Huge. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? How does it feel? Pretty, it's an honour, uh, I would say, and I think similarly to when we opened the office with colleagues from Paris, it was really nice to be recognised alongside Roberto Neri in the UK and Taiko in our Tokyo office. So for me, that was a really nice moment and to kind of reflect on downtown as, you know, 12 years in, they've always been in New York and now we're an international operation with people on the ground. So for me, like that was more important to take a moment and look at where we are. But yeah, the response to that was really cool. Very kind of mind-blowing at moments. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm grateful to have the recognition. I love that you just started talking about your peers. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, but I was on the list with these people and these people and aren't they great? It, it is amazing. It's amazing for downtown. It's amazing for you. You launched a company in this territory just over a year ago and you're a global player it's uh it's pretty cool mm, it's in the best sense of the word player <laughs> they should change the name of that list <laughs> well, i think one of the things when i first got told about it i was like oh this is going to be really great for taco because the announcement was coming off oh this. cool yeah great <laughs> so i'm just uh grateful to have that platform i guess to because a lot of people are following what we're doing my linkedin's going crazy <laughs> so i'm using that it's a great platform to tell people about our artists and you know, that's a great outcome for me. Yeah, I remember speaking to Jaden Comerford from Unified Music Group years ago and he had just decided that he would start doing forward-facing opportunities and he would actually do that interview that people were hounding him for and that he would start giving comment to media when they asked for it. And he said that he realised he needed to do it, not for him, but for his artists. Yep, yep. Yeah. I had a bit of an epiphany moment. I was at a kind of a schmoozy lunch kind of thing with this TV network and all the major labels schmooze and I thought, you know what, I have to be here 
to represent the artists that don't have a record label. I have to schmooze on their behalf because <laughs> otherwise they're just not going to be in the room. Um, and you have to do that forward-facing stuff for your roster. It's part of your responsibility. Yeah. 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 And so we were talking um, earlier before this chat about the bravest thing that you've had to do. And it wasn't what I expected when you told me. Yeah. I know. It was kind of surprised me as well. Like, I've done all sorts of things that probably a year ago would have been quite terrifying, like public speaking, doing panels. I've, you know, I've done skydiving. I've ridden on, like, <laughs> motorbikes and with, you know, crazy adrenaline junkies. And that's not my thing. But nominating for the MCOS and MPOW boards and having to walk into the annual general meeting and then hear the votes as they get rolled out, I felt like that was probably... The, the most challenging and bravest thing I had to do um, because I knew there's a whole process to it. Um, on principle, no one gets on the first attempt. It's kind of like Kingsman with his four and a half out of five stars review. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's yeah, a process. You get it. I get it. <laughs> but I still had to go in there and, and show up and Doc Chuck and Tantrum. So, you know, when they have the Academy Awards and all the nominees get read out and they put the camera on the person. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be that Taylor Swift that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. looks shocked. Yeah. yeah, okay. Everyone's looking at you to see what your reaction is. Like, it was, yeah, uh, brave. I, I'd say it took courage, and I remember um, another board member came over, a female board member, and she, she said, thank you for nominating. And it was like a real, like, she really knew what it took to, to do it. So, yeah, look, it's not about me, to be honest. Like, it's just about us. Uh, downtown has a long history of being on boards at industry and society levels, so we just want to contribute uh, in that space. So it's something, it might be a five-year plan. You did <laughs> it. I did it. You did, I it. did it. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what's the growth plan like for 2020? You said that it did involve um, growing out your creative services. What else? Well, I mean, I've got a lot of plans for, for Elliot in particular. She'll be writing her debut record. We've just put a application in for a residency, an artist in residency in Paris. Oh, cool. Fingers crossed that comes off. I'm really, really excited about her record. Tucker will do a couple more songwriting camps, get a couple of hits under he his He must belt. be so good at those now. Oh, he is, yeah. He just owns the room, walks yeah. in, he's yeah. like, right, I've got 20 songs. <laughs> yeah. Pull them out of my hat. Yeah. So there's two in particular, like there's a lot happening. Um, I think I would love to, you know, I've got a couple of personal goals. I'd love to see, for example, I'd love to see Stella getting recognised as a, either at artist or songwriter level with an APRO ARA award. I think that record really deserves the recognition. It's up for an app music prize later this year. So, yeah, I think just keep building on what we've done. Like I'd like, I've written little goals down for each artist and writer and I'd like to smash those absolutely amazing mm. and you literally wrote them down mm-hmm. yeah. in pen and paper yeah uh-huh. that is beautiful that's really cool it's more permanent isn't it yeah yeah okay so, so here's a question that we'll finish with that we've started to do as a bit of a tradition with our one year later guests what do you hope we're talking about when we talk about downtown music publishing Australia a year from now mm. First and foremost, our roster. I'd love to you to keep talking about how much uh, we've got an incredible roster. It'll be quality over quantity, I think. I'd like people to be talking about how we made a positive impact on the music community, and how we came in as a collaborator and we've achieved some great things through co-writing sessions. I'd love maybe just a top 10 song for a domestic artist. That'd be pretty cool. And yeah, I guess 
there's yeah a lot of it has already happened I guess in the first year which is pretty cool <laughs> it's very cool um surpassed all expectations but uh yeah I'd just like to keep building on that and I would like to at least double the roster and team within a year and just keep building on what we've got we're onto a good thing I think big goals and they uh, there's no way that you're not going to achieve them mm. considering what you've done in the last 12 months there's absolutely no way you won't get there oh, thank you Amazing. for your thing <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast Rachel my pleasure if you write or perform songs you need to connect with APRA AMCOS the music rights organisation collects songwriting royalties for over 95,000 songwriters and composers. It also supports music creators through networking events, workshops, mentoring sessions and grants programs. Go to apraamcos.com.au to find out more.